Welcome back to Scratching the Surface. My name is Justin, a.k.a. Money. And my name is Cody, a.k.a. Junes. And thanks for joining us on this week's episode. I know Cody and I are very, very excited to get in this. We're going to be covering The Thing from 1982 and just with how shit's going on in real life this was a perfect movie a perfect storm if you will for a movie for junes and i to watch um just because of the weather we're having the events that take place in this movie it's just so freaking relatable and this is one of those movies that is just a staple to me and in the horror genre community probably in my top 10 for sure especially just after giving it a rewatch. Um, I've seen it multiple times. Junes, I think you've seen it multiple times. How would you kind of place this movie? Like, what are your, obviously, just initial thoughts with what's happening outside in real life? Just a perfect storm, I think, in my opinion, for us to be covering this movie this week. It has been an absolute doozy here in the Midwest, weather-wise. The snow has been insane. We're at sub-zero temperatures if you're outside for more than 30 minutes with your extremities exposed, you're going to get frostbite. I mean, there's no way around yeah. it. So this this film, The Thing, embodies all of that when it comes to the extreme, cold, dangerous weather. And The Thing has all of it and more, the entirety of the film. So just to be able to watch this last night with the sound of the wind outside and the snow blowing up against the house... And then to be sitting down watching The Thing, a movie that is ex completely based in a snow-ridden environment down in Antarctica. It's just the perfect storm, like you said, for a movie to watch, a movie to review at this time of year, dead of winter, isolation, just trying to survive. And we have, we have plenty of that throughout The Thing. Our cast is so fucking good that's one of my favorite things about this i came for the horror mm -hmm. and i end up getting a really good cast of people that i actually care about people that i want to see survive but the thing has plenty of deaths dispersed throughout so if you want to see some death you want to see some gore unbelievable practical effects you will get it with the thing a 1982 movie directed by the goat himself john carpenter shout out yep. to him he's shout the man out. we see a lot of those elements from john carpenter and the thing that are really really enjoyable so i hope that you had a fun time with it from what you said it sounds like you did and i'm just excited to dissect this thing and, and get into it yeah i watched it last night perfect storm to watch it just unbelievable environment outside with seeing this it just it puts you in the movie literally like it it's unbelievable and before we dive into this make sure to give us a like please please check us out full length episodes on spotify you can see june's and i's face on youtube uh listen to us on apple Podcasts, and we are on tiktok and that's at scratching the surface 100 and as a bonus we are going to beginning uh we're going to begin i guess to do a new segment kind of right in the middle of this episode and hopefully continuing forward if y'all like it and if junes and i think it's it works out we'll leave that a surprise but it's going to be some table talk uh and figuring out some cool things within the genre 
of June's and I. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming very shortly. Uh, they'll come quick here. And to begin, I guess, June's, I'm going to read the movie info quick and we'll dive into this. So in remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and cannies in the camp, and they discover that the beast can assume the shape of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot, played by Kurt Russell, and the camp doctor, played by Richard Dysart, lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off one by one. So if you're listening, hopefully that puts a good image in your head. Now you're probably thinking a beast that can assume the shape of its victims. That's what this whole movie is about. There's trust issues that start to happen within the group. It's very practical, uses a lot of, you know, realism, despite how fake the movie is with its practical effects and monsters and things like that. But you mentioned Junes, this cast is so damn good. And they question things throughout this movie. There's not those dumb decision making factors in this. You know, they're just fatal. They're rather fatal decisions, if that. But it uses a lot of realism as if, you know, this were to happen in real life. And the cast is so good. Like you said, directed by John Carpenter. Release date was 1982. Um, it started streaming actually in 2012. You know, like I said, it has a great cast. And let's just kind of, let's just kind of get into this, June. So, the first act, I'd say the first act, and probably the second act, we just kind of learn a lot about the cast and their environment they're in, um, more so what they're kind of doing there, first of all, and very interesting opening scene. Basically, we just see this helicopter and a pilot and a guy shooting like a semi-auto like hunting rifle, I would assume. Um, kind of out of a chopper right at this dog. And this dog is like running for miles is what it seems like in this. And this guy just keeps missing and missing and missing. And this dog stumbles upon a base camp where you basically have almost a whole group of scientists. There's some other leaders within the group that have certain characteristics and stuff like that, that we learn. And Kurt Russell being one of the, well, is like the main leader of this, um, this group, this pact, if you will. and yeah, like I said, this dog kind of stumbles upon them. And we slowly learn about the characters. And Junes, I, I want to know your thoughts on basically the first death we get probably 10 minutes into the movie of the freaking pilot, dude. What did you think of that? Like, that's just, I don't know if it's comedical or, or like what, but like, I I just kind of honestly found it funny. Um, what did you think of the first death there of the pilot? Or the Norwegian, I should say. <laughs> well, actually, even to go off of that, so these are Norwegian pilots, but there is some yeah. comedy that's dispersed throughout the thing. And we hear McCready, our main character, Kurt Russell, call them Swedes like three times. And the, the other characters oh, always correct him like, no, hey, they're Norwegian. It's just yeah, kind of funny yeah. that we have some of those bits. But when those Norwegian folks roll into this research, this American research base, they end up dropping essentially a stick of dynamite or something stupid like that i don't remember i think if he, he, pull, I think he pulled the pin on a grenade a and grenade, it, yeah he's just, it just he's going to toss it and it slips but i should say why he tossed it the first norwegian that had the gun shooting the dog actually like started charging the group 
and they're all confused. They're like, what the hell is yep. going on? They don't even know who the, these people are. It's probably been a while since they got any visitors or anything. And they, st- they he pops off a couple shots, actually landing a shot on one of the dudes. And uh, I think it's Gary. Um, yep, Gary. Gary, who almost plays like a military or police role in this movie, actually breaks out a window and gets a shot off on the shooter. And then his co-pilot or whatever pulls the pin on a grenade and draws it back like he's going to throw and it slips right out of his hand (laughs) and he starts to go dig for it in the snow and it it just blows him up with the chopper and the the shooter guy is also dead gary lands a nice shot on him and that's kind of how this movie opens up um but the thing is you kind of have to question is why why were they even chasing that dog? Oh gosh, even before that, that very opening scene, and I missed this on X. Oh, the very opening yes, scene, dude. but I'm not going to miss it this time. Yes. This was a good little intro here to the thing where we see a we're in the orbit of Earth, and yep. we see a derelict spacecraft kind of come into the foreground of the picture, and it's kind of dropping into Earth, and we see it descending and crash lands on Earth. That's the very first bit. So. That gives us a little bit of an explanation of where we're going. It's pretty minimal, yeah. but and then we jump into that when we have those Norwegians both succumb to death. It's unfortunate because we never actually got an explanation of why they were there in the first place, why they were trying to shoot a regular looking husky. We don't know. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And now our characters are are left to try to figure out and solve this problem on their own without any kind of additional resources to tell them what's been going on. We don't know what's going on. That's what I love about it. The mm-hmm. level of suspense in these opening yes, moments yes. with the Husky running through the Antarctic, a, a chopper chasing it, trying to shoot him and kill him. We have the beautiful soundtrack, the bum, 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 all the while. The suspense is just freaking phenomenal. I think the, the first 15, 20 minutes, I think are a lot of fun. I think that all the rest of the film is quality. But the first 25, 30 minutes, the first act in general is is pretty strong for me. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned, the group, I'm just going to name off most of the characters. I know I'm going to miss a few, but they're not that important to the plot or the story. But I'm going to quickly go through these. So, And I'm not going to say their real names. I'm just going to go based off the movie names. But we have Windows, who's a radio operator, um, one of the biologists, uh, Copper, who's like an outpost physician. Nalls, who's a who's the station's cook, Palmer, who's a mechanic. Uh, there's another mechanic, I believe, called Childs. Um, and then a like three or four other scientists. I mentioned Gary, and we have McCready, and that's like the bulk of the group. And I think there's roughly twelve to fifteen characters in this group. Um, so I just wanted to cover that with you guys, um, especially for anyone listening. Put an idea in your head. Uh, and like I said, it's 1982. It's Antarctica. Uh, the station they are at is actually the U.S. National Science Institution Station Four. So they're buried, dude, in the Antarctica or the Antarctic. And I can't imagine the temp there. Man. But it's just that. So this is where we're at right now. We got to get introduced to the base. This incident happens pretty quick uh, that we mentioned. So from here, they're quickly trying to report uh this incident and that's where we actually get introduced to windows 
and they can't get through to anybody, dude. They mentioned that actually like two or three times throughout this. Like they've been trying to get into contact with people for like over two weeks now. And Windows is just pissed because the one of the guys comes up to him like, keep trying, like keep trying, just do your job. And he's like, I can't. It's been over two yeah. weeks. We're out in the butt crack fucking nowhere. And like just you can't get into contact with anyone. And they're they're actually kind of holding out for a rescue team, um, I believe as well. Uh after winter hopefully in the spring i think that's kind of actually how long they're trying to survive here and do their research all while in the meantime so also to put a little background story into that um so yeah june's they're trying to report this we get introduced to obviously some more characters and let's talk about uh mccready as well as being a leader his character how did you know? Because we can just talk about this now, but how did you enjoy his role just in this movie? Obviously, being like a protagonist, one of the obviously the leader, I would say, I wouldn't say one of the main leaders, but the leader of this pack. Yeah, RJ Mac McCready is yep. an awesome role. I love this character. And my God, can we just give give light to how well fleshed out all of these characters were and the amount of time they took? thinking about how each person should act. What is their mm -hmm. moral compass? What is their decision-making like? What do they embody in terms of what they value and who they trust? Some of the names are just creative. Childs, Dr. Blair, Mac, Nalls, Windows. Some of these names are freaking awesome. Fuchs. I love this. I love all yeah. the characters. And Mac is really, I think, in a lot of ways, similar to a Ellen Ripley on the male side. This is a, a person who is willing to take up arms, who is willing to fight and rally people, even when he doesn't want to. We see that plenty throughout the thing. Mm -hmm. Kurt Russell's character, Mac, he doesn't want to assume this role to take charge and try to keep everybody alive because he's a very much, I would say, independent person at the same time, but he knows that if he doesn't do it and somebody else does, they might all be in more danger. So this, this character is just, he's so fun. He's funny. He's witty. He's strong. You can't help but like him. And there's a scene there too. I believe in the early going, we have one of the characters who before Mac goes out to check out the Norwegian research base, which we will get to that point here very shortly. One of the characters is like, is he really getting in that, getting in that chopper and flying in these conditions? And the other character yeah. is like, Mac knows what he's doing. So it just goes to show that the characters that we all have here trust Mac, except for Childs. Childs is a little bit skeptical of him. They have this fun kind of back and forth. They disagree with each other a lot. There's a little bit of bickering, but they, those two, Childs and Mac, I think are some of the two strongest characters in this film. Yeah, I agree. Like they display Mac and child's just as a, just a ringleader strong character but also independent i love how you said that mm -hmm. and basically reliable upon the group because if they're not the leader like shit's going to hit the fan and it's going to hit the fan way sooner than it should um and the outcomes are going to be insanely different so i love how you brought that up so yeah let's talk about this norwegian base so you know like i mentioned before they're trying to report this incident and they discover a base and yeah, McCready goes and flies out there with a couple other guys and they stumble 
upon this ship, dude, that just looks like the Millennium Falcon. And it does. It's, it's it's insane. And it looks good on screen. Like I can't deny that. And they stumble upon it. They actually go down in there. And I think McCready goes with um uh what's the main scientist's name? Um is Copper it, I think... or Dr. Blair. Dr. Blair, and then we also have Copper. Yeah. I think those are the two main yeah. people there. I think he scientists. goes with Blair though. Um and they kind of just sweep sweep the ship and we see another death and this was just so cool dude i just love talking about this the guy frozen in there with his like neck or his head basically halfway like cut off and his wrists were cut and you just see the frozen blood uh literally an ice sickle of or a blood sickle if you will of <laughs> like a blood and it's just froze and the effects and the like, it looks so damn real dude and what like what did you think of that scene it's obviously a huge scene part of the plot to this um them stumbling across this uh what were your thoughts as they were just kind of going through here we we have to have these moments to catapult us into the rest of the film and it's yeah. so it's so perfect though it's not rushed everything feels like it's where it should be and when they arrive at this norwegian base they find absolute destruction they mm -hmm. see that a lot of the facility has been at least lit on fire. Most of it burned down. We see a lot of things burned out in the snow, and we actually come upon some very twisted-looking human slash... I don't even know what you want to call it. It was clearly burned by some of the people that were there. We don't know why. But what, what we're looking at is inhuman, at yeah. least from what we can make out mm -hmm. of it. It's disturbing. 100%. It's distorted. You can't really make out what it is. Is it human? Is it extraterrestrial? I don't know. It just looks fucked up. That's all I they, know. They say like, oh, it's something. Like they don't know either. Like it's <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. The level of suspicion and suspense all around is just built up so well in the early mm -hmm. goings, and especially in those moments at the Norwegian base. And when we end up with Kurt Russell going to one of the back rooms before leaving just to check out one more room before they head back to their, their main base. He comes upon something inside of there and it was just a digged down section of ice and presumably somewhere that something was buried underneath and something extraterrestrial that was not supposed to be put back out into the world and it, it did get released. Our assumption is that the Norwegians found this down in there and we're digging at it. The Norwegians right. also found that main area with the actual derelict spacecraft. So there is so much questions that we have on our mind as the viewer right after these scenes and going forward. Yeah. And I love it because, yeah, like you said, it creates suspense. Like, you have a great opening scene. You're like, what the hell? Who are these people? They stumble upon this. They find this alien, obviously a thing, and some dead bodies with it. And they're like, what? And then the hole, like you said, and they're like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And they get so intrigued by it. And they end up bringing that creature back. And the effects on that, dude, we get some insane shots of, and then close-up shots of it. And almost like a, it's almost like thawing the effect, like the steam coming off it when they do bring it back to the base. And 
they urge Blair to actually do an autopsy on it. And he's basically saying this thing has like human organs as a heart, liver, kidneys, regular human intestines. And that dude is where it's like, was this a person? Like, did this thing transform? Like, why would it have like, it looks nothing like a person. Obviously, why would it have very similar human traits? Maybe not from the outside, but a hundred percent from the inside, and that's what the autopsy showed. So crazy, so crazy. The distorted, contorted face. It's almost like two human faces that are have just been kind of smushed together, yeah. and they're both screaming. At least the look on the faces of these humans, non-humans, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, they're screaming out for pain, and you see the agony when you look at it and it's just so hard to look at you can't you can't take your eyes off of it though that's how good it is it just amazes me and when we have that revelation that wow these are human organs now we're just thinking how can this be a real thing what is going on doc can you explain a little more for us and doc's just he's as confused as the rest of them he's the guy who's supposed to know the answer to this he straight up tells him i don't have the answer and we have a couple good scenes later on right after that for the most part actually where they're they're asking the doc, what is this? And he's like, I don't know. I straight up don't know. And that's kind of where we start seeing people look to Mac as the leader because this this becomes more than a just a thing that a doctor can solve on his own. This takes more survival instincts because what we're dealing with is unlike anything we've seen before and know mm-hmm. how to deal with. So I, I love those moments. I love that we get it established that there might be extraterrestrial organisms mm-hmm. within or around the area of the research base. That has been cemented, and that is super suspenseful. Yeah, and they mention that too. Like They state the facts just kind of like how you did. Like they, The critical thinking is amazing in this movie, and while all this is happening, we get some shots of that husky dog or, you know, whatever you want to, I think it's just a husky shots of it just kind of around the base and an eerie kind of look on its face, dude. And then we get to the scene where we see a silhouette of a man sitting down and it stumbles upon in his room. And then I, I believe it just kind of cuts and you don't really know what happens And at this point, some other things go on. We have some dialogue. And one of the cool moments in this movie, we see the first trans. I'm just going to call it like a transformation, I guess, of the dog. And we have another guy named Clark uh, who's kind of like, I don't even know what you want to call him, kind of just like a dog sitter (laughs) like that's kind of how i labeled him in this movie he just he's the one that cares really deeply for these dogs he obviously has an emotional connection with them and he leads it downstairs and apparently they have like six seven other dogs just like it huskies locked up in this room uh a big open area for him to lay down and it goes in there and it's very weary at first it like hesitates and all the other, and the, he turns, Clark turns the lights out. He goes back, you know, same routine, nothing new. And this dog that originally came to him transforms into one of these things. And this was just unbelievably 
portrayed so well. It was amazing to reflect back on this and to see, first off, its face opens up, the the blood coming out, and then like strings of like intestines flying everywhere. Like as a viewer, if you're just listening to this, it's going to be impossible to imagine unless you've seen the movie. But it's I've, it's literally like an alien looking thing that comes out and McCree and the, all these dogs are barking and Mac hears it. He knows something's up. He pulls the fire alarm, gets a shoddy, and a bunch of the guys run down and they're like, what the hell is going on? And they look inside and this thing's just going haywire and it actually spits some juice or fluid out at another dog. Poor dog. Rest in peace, that dog. Yep. Um, it's good it basically like dissolves it down later that we see in another shot shortly after. And I think... um. I don't know. I think it might be Childs comes in with a flamethrower. They actually start shooting it, and Childs finishes it off with a flamethrower. But this thing tries to jump through the ceiling, break out. He he eventually just torches it up, and like I I don't know how else to explain that, Junes. But like, what did what did you think of our first trans? I'm just gonna call it a transformation, basically. You did you did it justice. Oh my god, I love that we have Clark. I think that's the person that was in that room you were talking about before. We see the shadow of a of a human figure and the dog goes into the room. And I think it's presumed for us as the viewer that Clark is probably the person in that room. He's very close with these dogs. I love that. It makes us question from the get-go. It might be Clark. Clark might be. Right. There's that, something going on here. Yeah, you would I'd be assume. worried about him. Yeah. I love that. But the transformation, the replication the infestation, whatever word you want to use is so, so authentic and original. There really isn't anything like it. And then alien, I talk about alien quite a bit. This is a film as well that has that same type of infestation, a parasitic organism that does something Mm -hmm. beyond human comprehension for survival, for reproduction. This here, with those huskies blows you away. You see that first head split of the dog's head. You're, you're in shock. You're in shock. You have chills going down your spine. Yeah. That's the best I can describe the feeling when you're seeing those scenes transpire. And once all the group is together, they see all of this chaos. Like you said, you have childs come in, light the flamethrower everybody is now sitting there thinking okay we saw the body we saw this inhuman organism now we know there's actually something alive and it is in our facility it is time to start trying to tighten our our watch and be more on the lookout for anything strange and out of the ordinary because what we just saw was nowhere close to ordinary. Now our lives are at risk and we know that such a phenomenal, exceptional. I don't know how much better you can do something like that. The practical effects, I'm going to say it over and over again. Amazing. Yeah. I would say it 10 times over too, a hundred times over. Um, So that, that happened. And, um, they're all just kind of in awe of trying to figure out what the hell to do. They put, you know, they light it up on fire. So they, 
you see that multiple times a flamethrower throughout this movie and they quickly put it out they want to keep their station safe uh their their camp safe and because they don't want to ruin anything they're they're also powered if you didn't know by a generator um that later goes out but like they need to keep things in order for them first off not to freeze to death as well keep things in order perfect that's exactly how everybody especially mac is now feeling we need order here this is yep. getting a little bit out of hand if we don't try to control what's going on we could all be in serious danger and the replication of the huskies i don't know how they pulled that off with practical effects looking back on it now to see a husky turn into three different fucked up looking huskies and the sliminess, the bloodiness, almost like uh, like, a like giving birth in a really fucked up way. It's yeah beyond like anything else I've ever seen. And I just, I hope that anybody who's not seen it and is curious to go watch this because you'll never get something like that again. You just won't. No. So I think if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the next main things... I don't know if it happens first or after, but Bennings, I learned, is one of the first actual humans to go next. We have that, and we have Blair, like the main scientist, if you will, actually turns basically on everybody. He turns, and he's almost like woke, if you will. Yeah. He thinks he thinks um, he basically thinks he knows more than everybody. Yeah, woe thing... is me. Yep, woe is me is how he's feeling. Yeah. He basically thinks and knows how this thing operates and that you can't trust anybody. And that's how he feels. And he, like I said, I don't know if this happens first or after like the first human death, but he goes haywire, starts axing all of their equipment. And again, after what, even watching this again, I'm like, this guy is just like, he need like, especially as like the lead scientist, he needs, he needs to be in order. And that's what yes. Mac really instills in him later on they actually lock him up away <laughs> in a separate bunker uh, outside of the main camp and keep him in there but we have that happen and like i said does the first uh human death from bennings happen or is it or does that happen because I, I honestly it's, can't remember you're absolutely right it was bennings because yeah. they were putting the the remains of the organism we'll just call it yeah that they one of the back. side rooms it was him and windows in that room kind of getting things put away yeah he tells windows to go grab the key for this room to lock it up and bennings is left alone in the room with the organism which was covered by a tarp windows covered it we come back in we see bennings's body being taken over by i would say those tentacles or organs kind of like a tentacle organ you could call it that yeah. was wrapping him up entirely going into his mouth Gosh. replicating him yeah so disturbing and i think i don't remember if it was windows that goes back and sees that it may have been i think it was because he runs back out to mac and one of the other characters who are outside Mm -hmm. to sound the alarm that Bennings is now probably he's gone. Yes. Yeah. In risk at risk. We find Bennings then outside. I think that they start him on fire 
Yeah, they light him up, dude. Again. We hear this groan-like scream from Bennings when he's kneeling down on the the frozen ground with the rest of his friends. These are people they've spent years with. And Gary mentions that specifically after Bennings' death. I've worked with Bennings for 10 years, man. He's, I know him, man. We're close. We see Bennings do that. Yeah. Creepy as fuck. And that's when they light him up and he burns to death. And that's so, so effective, so impactful and resounding. It lets us know that these deaths are going to be very, very gory. They're not going to hold anything back. I don't care if you care about the character. They're going out with a bang of gore and blood and violence. That was a good kill. Oh, 100%. You nailed that perfectly. And check mark that off the list. The first human is now dead. And they've actually experienced not only the dog, but Bennings and just how this thing can now be onto humans. And they're kind of learning more and more about it just as the mo- literally moments go on. And there's a few more things that happened to kind of wrap up almost the first half of this movie. And before we get into our segment, um, let me see here. I think it's, um, who's the other main, uh, or I think it's copper. Yeah. I keep, I get, there's so many characters in here. Copper, who's one of the physicians. He actually wants to now do, he suggests doing a blood test. I don't know if you remember this scene too. Very, very critical, important. They wanted, he wants to do, he wants to mix everybody's blood. I think with the blood from the creature they brought back mm-hmm. and see if there's a reaction. And they go to like the freezer or the fridge uh, because everybody has drawn blood stored already. And they get there and it's already broken into all the bags cut. And they're like, how the hell? And they start debating and arguing because there's only certain people that have the key to do it. And, you know, they're wondering why someone who would jeopardize this. Uh, So someone thought of this ahead of time already. And it makes you, again, this movie just does such a good job of it. Question, is someone infected, you know, infected right now? Is someone an imitation already? And the movie hints at this many times um, ahead of itself, um, as we'll talk about it here in the near future. Um, And they're trying to see basically just who's vulnerable, who might be an imitation, who's got this freaking organism in them, and nobody at this point, I think it's at this point, after this scene specifically, nobody trusts anybody now. Nobody. After hearing that, uh, and who might have access to that to get the blood, they cut all the bags. So great, great scene, critically uh, important to talk about. This is where the first half of the movie ends for me. It's it's when we have Dr. Blair going crazy. They've locked yep. him away. Everybody knows that there is the potential of infection and assimilating from the original body. We don't know who possesses this parasite, this infection. Everybody's questioning everybody. The suspense, the tension, when we have everybody in a scene together, those are some of the strongest moments in the Mm -hmm. film for me is when we have all of our characters together because they all play off of one another so goddamn well. Just another hats off to the the cast that they have here. It seems so believable. 
seems like these guys have been living together for years and they've been working mm-hmm. together for years. The tension's so high. The blood, the bags of blood being discarded. Who the hell would do that? Why would you do that? We don't know who did it. And I think right away they they kind of put it off on Gary. But when I was watching, I'm like, I don't think Gary would do that. He seems like a good dude. Why would he want to do that? Why would any of these guys do that? They I, all I think Gary like was good. one of the key holders, too. Yep, he was the I key think. holder. And and him and someone else, and they debate about it. I Copper had it access to them, but I think Copper had to give them back to Gary, I think, is, is what it was. Yeah. yeah. So all of that is so good. We have Fuchs who's been in, in contact with Dr. Blair, has read some of his notes. He's been taking all the while studying this organism. He relays to Mac that it could be anybody here. Mm-hmm. Even if this thing has been dead for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it can still latch on. It's still mm-hmm. alive, even though you think it's dead. And that's, that moment we see the look in Mac's eyes because at first when Fuchs takes him outside to tell him that and to reveal that information to him, Mac is just thinking, okay, Fuchs, what do you want? What do you want from me here? And once Fuchs tells him that you see the look in his eyes and and Mac, he knows it's Mac knows it's game time at this point. And it sets us up impeccably well for the second half of this film. God, that was a fun first half. It was. First half such, it's film. it's and it's only going to get better it's such yeah. a perfect build-up to now what mm-hmm. we see when shit starts hitting the fan and who's going to trust who who's going to come out alive who's going to survive it it's it's survival of the fittest almost at this point with mac just being the leader man and we get some very good scenes coming up so our table talk for this week's episode me and junes have picked five movies and I got mine, I don't know about you, but I got mine pulled up on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm going to read, well, both of us are going to read a sentence, maybe two, depending if it's short, uh, from the movie synopsis, and then when the movie was released, and see if we can guess the movie. So, let's just let's just get into this. So, Junes, for your, and I, by the way, audience, 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 I'm going, what well, I think, and Junes is, June's taste. I'm gonna go from probably easiest to hardest, in my in my opinion. And these, and I'll give you a hint right off the bat, June's. These are not. There's only one old movie, only yeah. one, and you'll you'll hear it when I tell you the date. But so for your first movie, as the two men realize they've been trapped by a sadistic serial killer nicknamed Blank and must complete his persevere puzzle to live flashbacks relate to the fates of his previous victims also released in 2004 2004 yep the ring no seven nope you got a couple more seconds i'll give you two more guesses okay oh i'll give you two more guesses you want me to read it again yep one more time okay as the two men realize they've been trapped by a sadistic serial killer named nicknamed Blank and must complete. Saw. Yep. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm warming you up. That's what I'm doing. 
That took too long, man. I should have 2004. We just talked about that. So that's, that's the first saw. So unbelievable. I I thought you would have got it right away when I said (laughs) puzzle, puzzle as well. One for one. We're counting that one. One for one. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Money. Are you ready? Oh God. Let's go. This one is from 1960. A young couple trying for a baby moves into an aging ornate apartment building on central park west where they find themselves surrounded by peculiar neighbors 1960 that's what's throwing me off right now what would that be oh man 1960 that is what's throwing me off 1968 60s the exact year is 1968 a young couple trying for a baby moves into an aging ornate apartment building on central park west in new york where they find themselves surrounded by peculiar neighbors also new york that is throwing me off too dude i'm drawing blanks think of the word baby i don't even have like a final guess rosemary's baby oh dude that was I don't know if you're going like easiest to hardest, but that was good. That was a random one. I thought that, maybe that, you'd be able to guess it just with the baby I, alone. Yeah. All right. Oh, for one. That's hey, that's fine. That's a tough one, though. That might be the hardest one, honestly. It honestly might be. All right. June's released in 1978. He was sentenced and locked away for 15 years, but on October 30th, 1978, while being transferred for a court date. 21-year-old blank steals a car and escapes Smith's Grove. Fuck yeah, baby. Thank you for the easy one. I'll take it. Two for two. I think you might know this one because I remember talking to you about it. This is a 2019 movie. A vertical prison with one cell per level, two people per cell, only one food platform and two minutes per day to feed. Oh, dude. Trapped in the hole. Oh my god! I've seen this. What is this? Uh, is it the plat the plat or the, yep, the, platform, the platform? You got it. I'm giving yes. it to you. Good job. I remember talking to you about that. I think yeah, I started. I've seen that. I've seen I it recently. The first ten minutes, I never finished it, but you said it was solid. So I'm hoping I get around to it's. It's interesting, it. man. Like I don't think there's an in between. I think you'll either like it or you won't. But def- yeah. definitely different style movie. But it, I I kind of enjoyed it, so I I can't discredit it. Okay, so money is one for two. Here we go. Easy money for the man. Easy money for money. Let me restart my timer. Here we go. Timer starts now. Released in 2013. Let's see. James and Mary and their two children struggle to survive the night while trying not to turn into monsters like the ones they're striving to avoid. If you if you know the characters, that's going to help you out tremendously. Mm. Because if I say something else, it ha- yeah. I'll give you a hint. It has Ethan Hawke in it. 2013. Um, yep, yep. Think think of surviving the night. That's Can't probably be all. Sinister. Sinister? No. I'm going to say no way. Ethan Hawke. Timer. Timer. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Final guess. I love Ethan Hawke. Think, think of surviving the night with Ethan Hawke The Purge. In there. Yep. Thank God. God. Those come to you kind of later. For some reason. Okay. Yeah. All right, money. Number three for the man. Here we go. Oh gosh. I think you should know this one. I think you will know this one. Yeah. 
it borders on sci-fi horror, one of my favorite genre, subgenres of this mm-hmm. horror genre, by far. This is a 2016 film. A young woman is held in an underground bunker by a man who insists that a hostile event has left the surface of the earth uninhabitable. Oh my gosh. Isn't this with like a bunch of other people and they try to survive? Like, oh, dude, you're going to say it. I'm going to know it. A young woman is held in an underground bunker by a man who insists that a hostile event has left the surface of the earth uninhabitable. I don't even know what you'd call it. Like, I, I that bunker, you keep saying bunker, and I'm like, I can visualize it. I don't know, man. I don't have, a, I don't even have a final guess. Oh, I, I thought you'd know it. I Damn say it, and I'm going to know it. 10. I'll start with 10. 10. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Hmm. Damn it. You haven't seen it. I thought you've seen no, that. No, but I've, I've seen clips of it. Ah, I've been in the community it. of it. That one stings, dude. All right. Timer starts now. Released in 2017. Terror soon strikes when one child sneaks into a forbidden room and finds a seemingly innocent doll that appears to have a life of its own. You say child at the beginning? Yeah. The boy. Nope. Good guess. Good freaking guess. Uh, uh, 22 uh, seconds. uh, Uh, Child's Play, Chucky, the newest one. Nope. What the hell is it called? No? <sighs> Final guess. Annabelle. Yeah. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I got to guess that right away. Unbelievable. One key word is all it takes. Okay. A 2002 movie. To give you a little help on this, this is in the subgenre of zombie monster. So keep that in mind. Four weeks after a mysterious and curable virus spreads throughout the UK, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. One of the main actors in this film is Killian Murphy. Ooh, Killian. 2002? Yep. Only thing I can think of is like Resident Evil. You're so fucking, you're like in that area of subgenre. Uh-huh. Uh, Oh, Killian Murphy, 2002. Think of days. I'll give you days is in the title. Oh, uh, is it like 28 days or something? Uh, I, oh, 28 days later, baby. 28. Yeah. Okay. Cause I had, dude, like that, that's what threw me off is 2002. 2002. That's an oldie. That's an oldie. Just so you guys all know, I was being very difficult. I picked some harder ones than I anticipated, but money, he's a tough, he's a tough dude. He's a tough dude. He bounces back. That's right. He's one for four, but he's number one in my heart. One and a half for four, but I was damn close on that. You were. I, is, I haven't seen that though. So that's. No, let's count Murphy, it. Man. Two for four for money. Four for four for June's. We're heading into the final I have, round. I have heard of that 20. I knew it was like 28 yep. days. Yeah. But all right, here we go. This one, I, I know you're gonna be familiar with for sure but i don't know the last time you saw it brother so it might Mm. might be hopefully catches you released in 2018 when the uh when the matriarch 
of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited. Ooh, yeah, that's a out, hard get one. Get out, get out, get out. Nope. Us. Nope. Or you read it. Yep. That, it, it's, yep. It's all one thing. So when the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited. Ooh, Released that's a good one, money. That's a good one. I think you got me. You got a guy stumped. I'm I'm very curious to hear this. I'm bowing out. I'm four for five here. Kind of, I want to hear it. It's hereditary. Oh my god! I should have said it. Yeah. I don't remember anything. I've seen about it recently. Matriarchy, though, I don't remember that in that film. Damn it! Yeah, and if you, oh. dude, if you just know names, you'll be a hundred percent every time. The Graham family, like if yeah. you knew that, hundred percent. Unbelievable. So a lot of people are probably gonna hate on me for that. That's fine. I like Hereditary. It's not my fave. Maybe that's why I forgot about it. I don't know. Great <laughs> I don't question. Know. Also, I, yeah. I'm, I was stumped there. I was trying to think matriarchy. Man. Un- falls under mystery and thriller for yeah. horror. Okay. So money is two for four. And the last one I have for you, money. I don't think you've seen this before, but it's such a a big movie in this subgenre of horror. Oh, gosh. This is in the crime subgenre and suspense of horror. It was mm. released in 1991. It's got a big time actress in it, Jodie Foster. It also has a big time actor name in it. And Anthony Hopkins, you better fucking know this. I believe in you. You're strong. Money, you're strong. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. Silence of the Lambs. Attaboy. I knew that. <laughs> that was easy. If you don't know it, I'd be shocked. It's, dude, I will say also for the audience. This isn't like normal for me anyway. So like hearing someone read it back to you, it's actually, yeah. and you're on the spot. It's actually it's pretty difficult. Even if it's like an obvious one, some of them more oblivious yeah. and hidden than others. But like, dude, it is, it's actually pretty tough on some of these. Even if like you're listening, you're like, oh, it's that, it's that, it's that. It's like, hey man, I feel the same way. Yeah, Just like I... if Cody didn't know one, it's like, yeah. But that was fun, Money. Thank you for bringing us to the mid-segment, the table talk. Of course. A lot of fun. It was absolutely fun time. That was that, It's just different, too, man. I love that. That was awesome. So back to the thing. So let's see. Where did we leave off, basically? So I think the blood test and kind of getting uh, introduced to Fuchs as well and getting mm-hmm. him burned alive. They burn him and a lot of the remains from the lab and things that they've discovered. Um, So at this point too, they find one of Max like uh, pieces of clothing ripped up and they think he has actually turned. And the group at this point too is now split up Junes. If Mm -hmm. you remember correctly, because there is a lot going on. Um, Actually at this point, kind of hard to follow, especially with the amount of characters we still have 
uh, remaining. Um, and I'm trying to think here, what exact, do you, do you refresh me? Do you kind of know what happens at this point? Cause we do have one of my favorite kills coming up as well. Yes. So at this mm -hmm. point we had Fuchs who actually, I believe burned himself because when we had Mac outside, I don't remember if he was with windows or who he was with, but whoever it was, they discover Fuchs's burned body in the snow and laying next to him was Max clothes. And they revealed that this organism tends to rip through the clothing of its victim. And yeah. that clothing when found is an indicator of who is potentially infected. So that creates a level of suspense and going forward. I think really we just have the characters on edge being on the lookout, we still have Dr. Blair locked up. He has nowhere to go for the most part. And I don't believe we really have a whole lot of crazy kills that take place because essentially all we're working to at this point, Money, is that blood test. I think we have a few scenes with Mac taking a recording on a tape recorder of himself, talking about the situation. I think all the other characters are just trying to figure out what's going on and trying yeah. to solve who is potentially infected. Yeah. And I think they actually attempt this three times. The first time it failed, the uh, blood bags were ripped open anonymously. And now we have them trying to do it again. And this is where we get to probably my favorite kill. Uh, we have, I think it's Copper. Uh, like I said, one of the outpost physician, the physicians working on one of the bodies. Uh, was it Benning's he, they brought back in? I can't remember who exact who exact's body they were oh, working yes, on. Oh, yes. Yes, this is one of the kills that with Charles, because we have Charles. That's right. Acting a little bit strange. We see that he, there's a couple scenes where he is almost in pain. He almost yeah. looks sick. He like stumbles stomach. and hesitates a little yes. bit. Yes. While everybody is blaming Mac at this time, saying, Mac, we found Mac's garments mm -hmm. or exactly. his, his jacket, the remnants of his jacket. He's the one that's infected. But all this while, we see Howard kind of in the background acting strange, acting out of, out of the normal. And it ends up being Howard who succumbs, who dies. But this is a different death. This isn't what we've seen so far. He does just die naturally, at least for us as a viewer, that's what we see. But they have him on the operating table to see if they can bring him back to life. And we're trying to get him back to life. We're shocking him. We're checking his pulse. Copper is. Copper does not have a pulse. And this is where things get crazy because I thought the imagery we've seen leading up to this point was exceptional. Unlike anything I've ever seen money. This, this makes it look like <laughs> fucking dog water, dude. That's just how good this even is. It's insane. And we it see is. the head of Howard literally 
on the operating table split off. We see almost jaw-like teeth form in his chest because we have copper kind of trying to dig in his chest or something like that. I don't remember what yeah. he was doing, but they're just like doing hands, an autopsy. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. His hands collapse into the body of Howard and his teeth like organism, jaw like organism takes his arms, takes mm-hmm. Copper's arms money clean off. Mm-hmm. It nubs him up. It nubs him up. It, it literally has a mouth, dude. His stomach turned into a mouth with insane looking effects and or the practical effects and oh my god dude and then the way he gets thrown around he gets his arms nubbed and then not only that but the body laying there originally turn it like it's it decaps its own head because it knows it's going to die off if it doesn't so this organism literally trying to survive willingly knowing hey i'm gonna separate myself from the core mm-hmm. and continue to live and regrow potentially like we don't know exactly how it would have turned out but mac you know it literally turned into a spider basically with the head still attached and they find it mac just also burns that along with the other two bodies um so when they turn around and it's see a insane. head it's insane. a head with legs like spider legs yeah it's the best way i could describe it they're thinking are you kidding me there's more there's more come on yeah but they learn about it too as well which is awesome like we need that um insane fact that my favorite kill my favorite scene it was i think one of the best scenes ultimately and the fact that this thing can function on the cellular level is just so dangerous, man. What do you do? What do you do? The thing Dude. doesn't die. It's been frozen for, I think it was revealed a hundred thousand years, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's still yeah. able to reactivate itself. It goes into extensive hibernation, yet to live again and and take over any kind of host body that it can and replicate. These scenes and are phenomenal. Yeah. And that's the thing too we see from Mackie. He has a line too. He's like. Because we learned like that ship from the beginning was probably there hundred thousand years at least is what they say, and they they now realize like fire is going to be their best friend. They they think that this thing wants to get away almost at this point or just be in the cold so it can bury itself, stay alive, and just wait for a rescue team or someone else to come by and do the same thing that it's doing to them. This group specifically just knows a little bit more about what's going on. And they're trying to get rid of it. They're trying to eradicate this thing um, and its hosts that they're trying to figure out, basically. So I like uh, that they're consistent with the fire being effective. Yeah. Because every time they use the fire, it kills the organism as effectively as it did before. So I like that. Mm-hmm. There's this sense that the fire will work. And they're consistent with that. I do. I like that you bring that up with the fire. Yeah. Yeah. They, they hundred percent know that it's been working. They, they know that it wants to be cold. It wants to hibernate. Basically that's how it stays alive, man. It just freezes and then it comes back out um, when it's ready. So a few things happen in between that and what we're going to talk about next too. Um, 
but also probably debatably, arguably my other favorite scene. We kind of get an interrogation scene now where we have yet another blood test that Mac wants to do with a hot, uh, like copper wire, basically. Um, he nubs down a wire, he gets the copper out and he starts heating it with his, uh, uh, flamethrower. Couldn't think of the word there for a second. And they want to test the blood. So he makes everybody, he ties people up, which is awesome, dude. Again, just total chaos. He ties people up. Uh, and I think he has, he has windows. The radio operator be the first guy to get his blood tested. He actually doesn't tie him up because he has a strong belief that he's not infected. So he basically just cuts his thumb right on the spot into one of those, um, I'm just going to call it a cartridge, but it's where you can like test bacteria and stuff in. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a lab thing. I can't remember what it's called. It's a little dish, clear dish. And he has him cut his thumb, draw some blood, and then he gets his, uh, hot, uh, you know, uh, wire basically. And he thinks that if you poke it, that the host will have a reaction to being inflicted with pain and it's going to do something as soon as that wire touches their blood. I love what you say there, money, because the organism is trying to survive. And this is exactly what McCready Mac is trying to explain to everybody that it will mm -hmm. do whatever it can. This blood, if it is the blood of the organism, it's going to try to escape you will see it react. I love that. Yeah. So he gets every, so he, he does uh, windows first. He's good. And now he's got windows holding another. We see multiple of these, another flamethrower on his back. And he's just pointing it right at him, ready to go in case anything happens. Like total chaos, no trust whatsoever. Split second decision. If something happens, he's torching them. And I can't remember who he tests next, but we have kind of that group that's tied up. We had yes. windows. Let's talk Gary, about him. Gary's tied up. Um, Childs, I believe, is also tied up. And Palmer, who we find out, has it. He is infected. Palmer is there. And then on the side, they actually have Clark and another body that are already dead tied up. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who else is there next to him. Yeah, so we had a couple but, tense scenes where Clark yeah. is deciding for himself. And this was the character that, from the beginning, we were made to believe could be suspect. Mm -hmm. But Clark, the whole time, man, he was human the entire fucking time. So it's crazy to look back on that, especially in those moments when... He tries to take Mac out because he just he's he's fed up with Mac essentially. Mac, quick reaction, quick reflexes. He's a leader. Turns around, pops him in the head. Beautiful. Clark thought he was gonna get to Mac. Mac's a badass. Not gonna happen. So Clark is dead, like you said. And we have those three characters tied up. A lot takes place here in these scenes. My oh, God, yeah. it's a great scene, dude. Each time they test the blood, it's just, oh my it's God. So it's, it's so intense. It's so intense, and intense you, man. The unknown is so thick, dude. Like you can just feel it. Who do you trust? Who do you not? Is it going to be him? Is yeah. it going to be him? I don't know. Yeah. So they test these guys' blood and we learn that Palmer, one of the mechanics um, 
who's smoking some J's, I think, too, in this movie, um, is infected. He's he's got the thing. And he he pokes that blood tray with that hot uh wire and it like like it like screams and like transforms a little and then it's he drops it you know they kind of freak out the blood's on the you literally see the blood like squirming away so cool such a cool little detail and palmer is just sitting like shaking (laughs) so bad like i mean they're tied up with rope so he's just like shaking freaking out and his face dude transforms it just it's such i can't even describe it dude it's he basically gets zombified and his face ends up like splitting and he and so the problem they have too with this scene is their flamethrowers actually aren't working at the moment and windows is just in awe his isn't working either and he's just like face to face uh with palmer and he gets his head clamped on by these massive jaws and he gets flown in the air like a rag doll thrown into like a corner of the room and uh palmer just goes haywire and i think he ends up kind of getting loose but torched in the end outside and they come back in to finish off um windows as well windows is just sitting there injured but he you can yeah. see him he's like so bloody still half human but he's like yep. slowly transcending and transforming and they just torch him on the spot too so there's two insane deaths back to back that just boom happened so quick but dude that scene that scene might might top might top it i don't know i still and gary gary is sitting there too tied up and he's like, get me the hell out. He's like, I would not, I do not want to spend the rest of my winter tied to this effing couch. <laughs> and like, such a great line, dude. Such a great line. And that, that's a huge major part of the movie, too. A couple deaths happen, uh, another blood test, and successful, though. And at this point, you're just eliminating people and narrowing down uh, the hosts at this point. But, so cool dude so cool so cool such a cool scene oh my god i could not agree with you more i concur on every level these scenes are unlike anything else when palmer succumbs as well to the infection this was a character that i love the i'll touch on it very briefly earlier on when they're talking about in the first act even what this could be is it extraterrestrial what is it Palmer makes a a point about the chariot of the gods and the fact that the Incas in South America had been in contact with some kind of greater being. And that is why they were so far ahead of the rest of the the humans in their area, in their continent. So I love that Palmer ends up going in such a crazy fashion. This is a guy that believed right away that it could be something like this it could be something that we cannot comprehend surely enough he goes his death is unlike anything else we see a similar type of i would say it's extension if that's a good word of the body in terms of the jaw-like teeth that we saw earlier with howard's death and when (laughs) When he's whipping whipping windows around like a rag doll, literally a rag doll was probably used in those scenes. 
for the practical effects. So yes, that would make sense. It was it was just crazy, oh, man. man. Just crazy. Like it makes you wonder how they filmed that movie. Like I need to do more research into how production was made because that's just insane. So a lot happened there, and I hope you're still on track listening. But we're kind of nearing the final act for sure now, and they actually so a few men, Mac being the leader in one in the small pod, the small group. I think Childs is with him and some someone else, uh, possibly Gary. I can't really remember. They go actually out to the cabin they have Blair locked up into, man, and they want to do the same exact blood test on him because they really think he, after what he did to the group and like he's just acting so weird man like they need to do this asap like that is their goal so they go out they open up a little hatch to his cabin and he's in there just well actually this is later on sorry they go back out and it's empty and they go in they're like what the hell where'd he go and of course they walk around a little bit they hear some creaky loose floorboards and here we are nearing the end and they go down into this cave dude and they learn he's been building like a little ship or something this whole time. And I think Mac even has a line. He's like, that smart SOB um, built it, you know, from the ground up or something like that. And they just stumble upon this giant cave. And their goal now is to like basically rig this whole place with dynamite explosives burn this whole thing up they want to expose the host they're like we're tired of this cold uh, weather we need to warm it up and i think um i love I'm that all to, of I'm our trying... characters right now have made the yeah, decision money mm-hmm. that they are willing to just die here because they kind of know their fate too i yes. feel like at this point which Max they bring up says, yeah they bring it up it's our odds are not good Maybe we live through all of this. Maybe we're lucky and we're alive when a search party comes around. It's not looking good for any of us. So let's just at least try to ensure that this thing does not get out into the more populated areas of the world. Yeah. And at the end there too, we see Childs kind of get lost in the silence. I think he's with Mac at the end. He gets lost in the silence and I thought he died, dude. Uh, at the very end here too, Mac is now kind of by himself and this creature dude pops through the floor, just goes bursting through the floorboards, almost attacking him. And he kind of just, you know, gets away. He's got a stick of dynamite, yells at it, throws it and boom, the whole, I mean, they have it rigged already. Stuff's already on fire and their whole camp explodes, dude. And we see Mac survived awesome i want to see that he was the leader the whole time and childs comes stumbling out dude and he sits he sits by him and we're we're closing in our final moments here um but actually before that too uh let's see blair had a kill in that cave i should have brought that up earlier blair had a kill in that cave and such a weird one um he like sticks his fingers in the guy's face there at the end and kind of just drags drags him off scene yeah and but we see him transform into that thing before matt kills it and blows the whole place up but yeah 
that's yeah. basically basically how it ends. I don't know if you have final thoughts, but like you know that Childs and um, Matt kind of have a face to face final on screen scene here. Um, basically saying, man, like, I don't know what's going to happen. What should we do? Let's just sit here for a while. And it, it ends dude with the, it gets a great shot of the camp stuff's on fire. Yeah. Just that. So, and I just want to know your thoughts on the end. There is superstition around like, you know, oh. how it ended and people might like it. People might, a lot of people might dislike it. What were your thoughts? You know, I kind of rambled there, but like, you know, that final moment, that final scene, even like just the last act there, that scene, what'd you think of all that, man? Yeah. So we saw Nalls as well, get killed there by, by Dr. Blair, which is unfortunate. I just want to say these two characters, child and Nalls, these are just, they sent, they sent to me the most steady and consistent characters. These are the people that if I were to choose those that would survive, those two might be in my final three, obviously, along with Mac. And here we are with those exact three left at the end. These are characters that I enjoyed. And my theory here is that Dr. Blair was infected at whatever point we don't know, mm-hmm. but he was infected. He was the organism. The organism was trying to build its own ship, which we see when Mac and Nalls go down into the snow, into those, I would almost say trenches or whatever you want to call them. We see that derelict. He's building it. It's a spacecraft. My theory is that Blair was infected and he was wanting to get out of, out of, uh, out of earth and back to his home planet. My other theory is that at the end, beyond this movie, child's, and Mac stumble upon that and somehow use it. But that's just, that's very far-fetched, but it's fun. It's <laughs> I fun. love that. But I love the, that. the mutual respect yet also kind of bullshitting with each other that we have from Childs and Mac the end, like they still are questioning each other a little bit, which is freaking awesome. Like, I'm just going to yeah. sit here and wait. I'm going to wait and see if you turn. And they both have that mutual thought. And what a good way to end the film. Yeah. So... I have a little bit of a twist on it, but I do agree with your first theory, how Blair was building. He was already infected, dude. Like, obviously we saw him like kill people yep. he, and he was building that to get out, building that ship to get out. The other thing, dude, that just throws me off is that at the end, when we just have Mac and child sitting, everything's blown up. They're just chilling. They're having a few lines of dialogue in the movie. You can see max breath like he is like a train like in the cold mm-hmm. winter like every time he breathes dude you can see it yep. when it pans to childs and every time he talks you don't see his breath get out of here no i'm serious oh. Re- re-watch it you won't see it so my theory is that childs at this time when they're talking is already infected and i mean and then probably Mac dies with him in the end. And then he, so he already knows that, well, it blew up, but they had the ship. So I'm thinking he had a chance to get out because this is the other thing to my theory. Remember when he like gets lost in the silence, he, he walks away and leaves Mac. And then that's when Mac blows up. Yep. 
you know, the whole place at the oh, end. Oh, money. That's a good He walks idea. alone in silence. He gets lost in the silence is what I want to say. That's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back randomly at the end after the whole explosion, after, after everything. That's just one thing I saw and found out because, like, it just doesn't make sense. It's just a subtle key thing that you just don't see. Like, so maybe he's yep. an imitation. He's different. He's not I... showing regular signs of life, even though he's a perfect imitation of a human. But there's subtle key things there that give it away. That's my theory, though. I like your theory better than mine. My question is, though, does Mac take him out if it happens? Knowing Mac, probably. Knowing I Mac, want, I want to think he would, but God, there's like a part of me that's like, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't make it. I know. Because even right if now? even <laughs> if he does, even if he does, he's got a whole camp that was a camp before it blew up. Yeah. That's just in ashes now, dude. Like, so, so he, what do you? His odds of surviving are so slim, regardless. I think the thing lives on and goes back under the ice, man. I think it does, too. I think it does for a potential sequel down the road. So, yeah, yeah. But that is, that's going to wrap it up. We're going to get into ratings, though. So, I, this is my favorite part. Even aside from our fun segment and wrapping that up, ratings are always my favorite part. And I'm curious to see what you have to say. I'm assuming a high score, but I want to see how close we are in the ballpark. I am so excited to hear what you have to say. I don't know if you want to start or me, um, but I think we're going to have probably similar opinions. And um, yeah, we'll we'll just see how close we are on ratings, man. I am so excited and curious to hear what you have to say. Yes, sir. I can start here with the thing. This is one I come back to and... I'm just equally in awe with each watch by just how groundbreaking it was. The eighties was fairly successful for the genre, I would say. And then the nineties died off a little bit. The eighties was a good, a good decade for this genre of, of film. The thing is one of those films within the genre that really, really solidified what we want in a horror film. Mm -hmm. It's got the idea of isolation, questioning each other. We have the suspense and the air. There's a little bit of extraterrestrial origin as well that comes into play and just mixes up the overall confusion even more so. We have a cast that is so goddamn good after we talk about it again i don't think i love alien money aliens one of my favorite movies i think the thing has nearly a better cast all around it's so good man it's so good the practical effects are at least for me i'm still trying to expand my horror knowledge but it's the best i've ever seen bar none no doubt in my mind so that alone you know you're getting quality here when it comes to those effects. Unbelievable. We have an organism that is so hard to comprehend, and that just adds to our insecurities as humans. We think that we can figure things out. We think that we can fix what's gone wrong. But when we have 
a thing that is uncontrollable, not defeatable. We are left in complete fear. Mm -hmm. I felt that fear just like every other character in this film through the entirety. I cared for the characters. Each one that went mattered to the characters around them and to me as well as a viewer. And that just shows the level of value in this film for the genre. The ending is ambiguous, but it's, it's fun. It's so fun. And it's such a quiet still ending. We're in Antarctica. We see that final shot of the, facility burned down it's beautiful and if they never make a sequel i'm happy because that ending to me money is so goddamn good mm -hmm. and with all of that being said i can't help but go with a 9.2 this <laughs> i fucking love it i love it i had a nine but talking about everything just it helps me to realize the greatness that is possessed here Whoever was behind all this, John Carpenter, the entire crew and cast, I have nothing but kudos to you. So thank you. Thank you for making this film and putting it out to the world. I love that, dude. Phenomenal speech there. I love that. To me, it's just, I've seen it multiple times, like I've said. Highly recommend it, obviously. Um, if you don't like sci-fi, whatever, I would still recommend it. Uh, to the day I die. It's such a good movie. Uh, if you're if you like horror in general, the movie, the setting alone, phenomenal. Something you could watch multiple times a year for sure. Even if it's not in the winter, just because of the cast. The cast alone is insane. The acting, phenomenal. The realism, phenomenal. There isn't hardly any dumb decisions that are made it is very realistic in the setting that they are placed in with the circumstances that are happening they question things and they are seriously just trying to survive it's that simple it's, it's such a simple movie practical effects are insane the sound effects are insane the shots we get the cinematography of just the amount of work alone that just got put into it awesome awesome job you know we've said it the whole podcast and it's just seriously i think just a staple to the horror community and if you're listening i would think you'd agree if you don't that's your opinion easily top 10 movie for me by far and in the early early you know horror was coming out in the 70s obviously before that but really popping off and having these effects early 80s john carpenter i love him to death mm -hmm. just the stars align on this thing man it is the stars did align phenomenally done and with that i think i this is i think i just got to put it there but for me personally it is going to be the highest rated out of all the ones we've done, even above The Conjuring, and I'm going to give it a 9.4. Goddamn. 9.4. Putting it above, for me, The Conjuring, which I had at a 9.3. Wow. So, wow. That's I think amazing. it's better. I think it's better. Amazing just money. A, one decimal point better than The Conjuring. 
Conjuring's scary, don't get me wrong. But this, just thinking about the kills in this movie, the way it's done, it's shot, the director behind it, the atmosphere, everything about it, dude. Everything. Everything. Some of the intense scenes we get. Them using realism, having trust issues like that, that would seriously happen if this, that would happen if this was going on in real life. So well done. And I just have to thank it. And I'm, I'm putting it at a 9.4, dude. So not many movies can top it, but no. this is just one that I thoroughly enjoy and forever will, dude. I will forever enjoy it. And I just have nothing but praise for it. I'm assuming a lot of people do too, but man, this even like if you look up the movie uh, poster for this, everything about it is just so freaking cool, man. The this is one of the best plots to a movie I think you could have. Seriously, I I, I just I love it. So it's got a level of cool. It is. It's a cool movie, man. Everything's cool. Yeah. I did. It's just so and good. just dude and Mac. Who like like growing up? You know, if I was an '80s kid, yeah, I'd want to grow up being like Mac, dude. Badass. That hair, that beard, that leadership, <laughs> that style, yep. flying choppers, dude. Like everything about it is just so cool. And to just have this movie in the early '80s is just insane. And it just lives up to 2024 now, man. Over 40 years, it's just it's crazy. So the fact I can sit down and absolutely love this movie from 30 plus years ago is amazing, amazing. So. Right. You gotta you gotta give props. You gotta give props. But with that, dude, phenomenal episode. One of my probably one of my favorites, even with yep. our segment. Did, and if you're listening, I, I hope the audience seriously, even you, Cody, enjoyed that. I enjoyed the hell out of that. Yeah. What was the did we say the rotten tomato score? Did I miss that? Oh no. I'm curious. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot once it was bound to happen. <laughs> but audience score. On Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-two percent. You were with the, you were Is that exactly, what I gave? You were exactly with the audience. That's what I fucking gave. That's crazy. Critic score of eighty-five percent. Wow, that's so, that's I mean, even dude, still clearly, yeah. clearly goaded, clearly goaded. If both and are I seriously could see above, I could definitely see the audience score being higher. Critics are just weird, man. Mm-hmm. No matter how much we love a movie, you never think it's going to be what you what the rating yeah. is, what you want it to be. And that can go in both directions, positive or negative, but 92% of audience, man, 92%. Amazing. What That's a, so what a high. fun time money. I was just, I'm just glad to be here. So yes, I will leave it to you here for our closing final thoughts and I'll leave it to you, brother. Not very many final thoughts. Go watch it guys. That's all. Go watch say. it. Go watch it. Go watch it. Uh, I want you to have, as an enjoyable experience as I know that June's and I had, um, especially during the winter now, no better time to watch it. Um, get yourself some popcorn, a snack, just sit down and watch this man and hunker up for the ride. That's all I'm going to say. So thank you guys. Um, make sure to check us out on all our platforms. Like we said, full episodes on Spotify and Apple podcasts. You can see our faces and our reactions on YouTube. Leave us a like, leave some comments. What do you guys want to see next? Junes and I have our own personal list, but we would love for you guys to give some feedback and uh, check us out on TikTok for any teasers, uh, things we've recapped from previous episodes, random stuff from uh, Junes and I. So we love sharing this experience of horror. It is one of my favorite things to do. Junes, it's been an absolute 
blessing tonight to uh share the experience man and i'm glad we did such a fun movie dude it was a blast it was a blast and i look forward to many more to come so with that we've been scratching the surface tonight we guys hope you have a safe week we will see you next time and peace out guys